Welcome to Thrive Church Online. My name is Kathy and I'm going to be your online host for today. If it's your first time here, you are VIP, so please let us know by texting new at 604-285-5770 and we will mail you your very own Thrive Stainless Steel Water Bottle. Parents, we're launching a new curriculum for our kids this summer and there's going to be Zoom meetings for kids and it's going to be so much fun. So for more information, visit mythrive.info slash thrivekids. We love a proactive church, so I'm going to give you 30 seconds to let me know one thing that you did this past Canada Day and 4th of July Independence Day. So with COVID, I know it's going to be different for everyone, so I got ramen takeout and it was so good. What about you? Are you ready for today's message? I'm now going to pass the time over to Pastor JB, and I'll see you all later. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Thrive Church Online. My name is JB. I'm one of the pastors here at Thrive, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome you to an amazing Sunday here at Thrive Church Online. If you are a first-time guest, if this is your first time joining us here at Thrive Church Online, you are what we call our VIP. Everyone say our VIP. And we especially want to welcome you. In fact, we've got a special gift that we want to give to you. It's your very own Thrive Church stainless steel water bottle waiting just for you. You can get that by going to mythrive.info. Just press the button that says new to thrive. And we'd love to get in touch with you that way. Or you can text the word new to 604-285-5770. And we'd love to get in touch with you that way as well. We have a saying here at Thrive, which is that welcoming is not just what we do. It's who we are. And so with that in mind, we just welcome one another in your chat rooms right now, the person you're sitting beside watching the service with, we just welcome another, give them an air high five or a real high five, an air hug, a real hug, whatever's appropriate, and just say it's so great to be in church with you today. Let's welcome our VIPs especially. Let's welcome one of the church today. Amazing to have each and every one of you here, wherever in the world you are joining us for our service today. We are so glad that you are here. Well, we are so excited for today because we're starting a brand new message series that we are super excited about. But before I introduce that series to you, just a couple things you need to know today about what we're doing today is at the end of today's service, we're doing something called communion. Everyone say communion. Communion is a time when we remember what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. What we do is we take some bread and we take some juice, which represents the body that Jesus sacrificed on the cross and the blood that Jesus shed for our sins. And we're going to take that in remembrance of Jesus. And so if you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, uh, I, want in Christ, uh, I want to encourage you to do this one thing with me right now, is go to your fridge, go to your kitchen, grab a piece of bread. I've got some unleavened bread here uh, from our Thrive Church Center uh, you know, a kitchen. And, and I'm going to use that. I've got some grape juice here. Maybe you don't have grape juice. Maybe you've got apple juice. Uh, maybe you've got uh, orange juice. Maybe it's just water that you've got. Either way is cool, but just a way for us to remember what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. And so even right now, if you could go to your kitchen, go grab that. Maybe you want to give your kids a mission to go to the kitchen right now and get that for you while I tell you one more thing that's happening very, very soon here at Thrive Church. And that is this, is that starting on July the 7th, 
we have something going on that we've never done before. It's our first time ever, but we're super excited about it. It's called Guiding Your Kids in the Digital Age. This is for all parents in this place. If you've got kids in the, between the ages of 3 and 12, I think you're going to find this workshop extremely helpful and relevant for you. And this is talking about how to help your kids be tech-wise, how to help them navigate you know, the online world in a safe way. It's a tough thing to avoid completely. In fact, it's something that we want to be wise in teaching our kids on how to be tech-wise, how to protect them from inappropriate content online, how to instill healthy values when it comes to things like video games or sexuality and all that stuff. And so if you are in that stage right now, we encourage you to go to mythought.info and sign up. It's a free course that's happening from July 7 to July 21. Uh, there's three sessions plus a Q&A session after that. And so we encourage you to sign up for that. It's going to be an amazing time. Would you turn to your neighbors and say, our kids are so precious. Our kids are so precious. And so I encourage you to sign up for that today. Praise God. Are you guys alive in this place today? Are you guys proactive in this place? So good to have you here. Here at Thrive Church, we exist for five purposes called A-E-I-O-U. A stands for alive. It means we're here to worship Jesus. E stands for expectant. It means we're here to grow into Christ-like disciples. I stands for involved. It means we're here to serve God with our talents. O stands for out loud. It means we're here to lead others to Jesus because we believe God's love is too big and too good for us to contain to ourselves. And U stands for united. It means we're here to love our spiritual family called our church and our dream is to build a church of 10,000 AEI leaders in the city of Vancouver and around the world. Come on, give God a big, big hand here. Let's place together right now. That's the vision of our church. Hopefully more and more you're getting that into your heart. Turn to your neighbor and say, you were made to be A-E-I-O-U. You were made to be A-E-I-O-U. Doesn't matter what season in the year, doesn't matter where in the world you live, you were made to be A-E-I-O-U. That is God's calling on our lives and we're so glad that you're here to join us through our church online today. Do you guys want your Bible? today. If you grab your Bibles right now, uh, this is what my Bible looks like. It's a paper Bible. Maybe you have a, a phone or a device or computer that you downloaded the Bible into. Either way is cool. If you wouldn't mind doing this, this is a fun way for us to get our hearts ready for the message today. If you wouldn't mind just holding up in the air like so right now, and uh, we're going to make this proclamation together in faith. It's on the screen. Why don't you read it with me out loud? If you know it by heart, and you say it as well. Let's say this together right now. We're going to say, this is my Bible. It is God's Word. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I open up my heart so that God's word can come in and change my life, and I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 Well, a big, huge welcome to all of you who are joining us just now. And I wanted to say, today, we're super excited as we begin a brand new series here at Thrive Church Online. And let me just put it this way. You know, we really believe that, uh, you know, we want to make the most out of every moment. We really believe that every day is significant. That because God's love is in our lives, because Jesus Christ died for our sins and he rose again and is alive today, we have hope for tomorrow and that every day matters. If you believe it, say amen. But that said, it's also true that there are certain moments in our lives that seem to have an especially big impact on the rest of our lives. If I were to ask you, you know, what are the biggest, most pivotal moments in your life? If you could think of two or three decisions that you made or that were made for you that have landed you in the place that you're in today, those are what we call pivotal moments. And maybe it was for you the time when uh, your family decided to move 
from one place to another. Or maybe it was when you said yes to that person and said, I do. Or maybe it was when you walked through that door, that opportunity, and your life was never the same. Maybe it was a circumstance that you had no control over, but it happened to you, and it was a pivotal moment in your life. Why am I talking about this today? It's because today we're beginning a brand new series here at Thrive. It's called Pivotal Moments. It's where we're going to, from the next few weeks, we're going to be looking together at real-life stories where people had to make tough decisions and the lessons that they learned as a result. And so maybe you're in a place right now where you need to make a tough decision about your career, about your family, about your future, and you're not really sure where, which way to go. I believe that this series is going to be super helpful as we learn lessons that come from real-life stories where people were making real-life tough decisions about their lives. And so it's with that in mind that we're excited to kick off episode one of Pivotal Moments. And I'm here to introduce you our very special guest who's going to be speaking to us today. Uh, you know, we believe at Thrive that this generation and the generations uh, after us are in need of people who can communicate and teach and preach God's word in a powerful, clear, relevant way. And that's why one of the big things we did this past year is that we started a preaching school here at Thrive Church. And uh, we have one of our preaching students from our preaching school to bring the opening message of our Pivotal Moments series. I'm so excited for him. This is a big assignment for him, but you're going to be so blessed because you're here and you're going to be so encouraged by his story today. Would you please join me in welcoming Raul Mazariego as he brings the message to us today, episode one of Pivotal Moments. Give it up for the one, the only, Raul Mazariego. Give him a big hand in this place right now. All right. Thank you, Pastor JB. Man, hype man, huh? Oh, I love it. I'm so ready to go. So first of all, I want to open up by saying happy belated Canada Day to everybody here in Canada and to our friends down south in the U.S. Happy belated Independence Day. Why do I say that? Why am I making such a big deal about it? Well, see, both holidays are actually very special to me because, you see, I'm an American living in Canada. That's right. I was born in Los Angeles and I grew up in a little town called Reno, Nevada. And just five years ago is when I moved here to Canada. And I never, ever, ever thought I would be living in Canada. First of all, I never even thought I would move in the U.S. I loved my little town, let alone did I think I would even move from the house that I had been at for maybe 15 or so years. So this move, this journey to Canada is a huge story of mine, right? I had plans to live in the U.S. with my family basically until I died. I had plans to live in that small hometown of mine uh, till Jesus returned, right? Everything that I would see, that I would need, was in my little neighborhood. Like, honestly, I would only leave that neighborhood for work. Outside of that, I had everything. I remember when I was dating my wife, Marcy, uh, I, I told her, I said, you know, once you settle down with me, this is your home. You'll never have to leave this corner. She cringed. She's like, ugh, because she likes to travel, right? And she's like, oh, no, that's the worst. But honestly, what's so weird is once we did get married, that's exactly what happened. We're like, we rarely left our neighborhood. So, it, you know, I was basically having these plans, very plain plans uh, of living a low-risk, very safe type of life, right? But one of the things that I would learn with this journey to Canada was that God is everything but boring. Uh, God is actually very exciting. If we think about it, God speaks to people through a burning bush. You know, God splits the Red Sea. God even brings the dead back to life. He's not boring. He's exciting, right? And so here I was like living this very you know, not exciting life. And in doing so, I was limiting 
to people to see how powerful the God that I was serving was, right? I was, I was boxing him in. And so, of course, if God were to come to me and say, Raul, in a bur burning bush, right? Raul, do you want to go to Canada? First of all, I would have said, why? No, of course not. You have no permission to take me there. But see, God is our Heavenly Father. He's my parent, right? And so that would be as silly as me coming up to my kids, Levi and Elise, and saying, hey, kids, uh, is it okay if I plan your life to the best of my ability with the best intention and care for you? That sounds weird, right? No parent should ever, like, of course, we, we wouldn't do that. And so same way, our Heavenly Father, God, He's not going to ask us for our permission. He has the best intentions. He, he has all the wisdom, so he knows what is best for us, right? And so this journey to Canada would teach me that because, you know, my faith was very mature, right? And so I knew that it was inevitable. God was going to be moving me to Canada, and, and, and when I saw all the circumstances, you know, the way everything was being played out, I couldn't stop it, right? But in doing so, God would show me that his plans are more than just about me. He is God to so many other people. I will learn that, that the relationship that I had with God was, it was, at the time was very immature because it was very transactional. What do I mean by that? Well, I felt that because I served him at church with a lot of different things, that he kind of owed me my way, right? Like, I put in overtime at church, did all these different things, and it was like, so when it came time to prayer, and was like, God, can I have this plan work out? He would say, yes, because you've done all of these things. But that's not how God works, right? And so this journey to Canada was really to, to kind of mold me and teach me who God really is, right? Uh, I couldn't just preach about it, God, without experiencing God himself. And so today, I would like to share with you why God said no to my plans to living in the U.S. and said yes to, for me to move to Canada. And so... Uh, I'm going to share with you my pivotal moment, my pivotal story, my personal story, which I'm titling today, Understanding Why God Says No. Turn to your neighbor or in the chat room and say, Understanding Why God Says No. That's right. God does say no sometimes, right? So are you ready for some story time? Yeah. I'm, I like to talk, so this story is going to be good, all right? And so if you're ready, type in the chat room, say, I'm ready. All right, I'm ready as well. So much of what you'll hear today is I have not had the opportunity to fully disclose what I was feeling, the, the process of my journey to Canada. And so um, I'm going to be very vulnerable. And so I may cry, and I guess I may cry before millions, thousands, hundreds, right? Uh, but I understand that this story is more, less about me and more about God. And because of that, I do believe it's, it needs to be said. And so I know it will bless you, so let's stay tuned. So my journey to Canada. It actually did not start five years ago. It started 19 years ago. It started in 2001 when I was 13. And I met the most beautiful, sophisticated, intelligent uh, woman. Well, to me, she was a woman because she's older than me. She was 15. Uh, her name's Marcy. And she's, she was from Canada, and, and uh, you know, immediately I was like, wow, 
this girl. And I did everything that you can imagine to get her attention. She just thought I was this funny talking American boy, you know, just just goofy. And, and, and you know, I, I used to take it as like, you know, oh, she laughs at my every joke, but who knows? Maybe she was just laughing at me, right? But it didn't matter. I had her attention and that made me very happy. <clears throat> so she was very smart. I mean, she, she spoke two languages, maybe three at the time. I can't remember. But I, and I was younger. And so I, it, she challenged me in a way without even knowing. She, she didn't know this, but she challenged me to uh, be more mature. So I signed up for like dictionary.com and tried to like come in and like impress her with all this new vocabulary. Like, oh, look at that melee over there. What's melee? It's a fight. Did I use it wrong? I think I did. All right, doesn't matter. So I was trying to impress her, right? I really, really liked her. And, but, but we became very close friends. As a matter of fact, we were so close. She would invite me on her dates with her boyfriends. You heard that right. She would invite me as a third wheel you know, you may think that that's a terrible feeling. No, it's not because actually I had the most attention from both of them. It was like I was on the date with either one of them, right? Because I would make it less awkward for them uh, on those dates. And, and, and what, what an amazing God we serve. I had the opportunity to chaperone my own wife back in the day. What an awesome way, right? Like talk about a pivotal moment. So after eight solid years of just being great friends, we finally decided we should date. And it wouldn't be long before I decided this is the one that God has created to be my best friend forever. And so bought an engagement ring and was like, you know what? I got to finish this four-year degree in four years because I got to marry her. And so in May of 2010, I proposed. She said yes. And uh, we got married in December of 2010. So nowhere in the moments when we were dating, in the moments when we were engaged, in the moments that even after our uh, first year of marriage, did we ever talk about, let's move to Canada. Why would we? We were recently graduated from the university. Uh, you know, we were both doing very well in our careers. Marcy was just climbing the ranks at, in, in the insurance industry. I had a government job working for the state of Nevada in, in mental health sciences. And so we were doing really well. Not only that, we were very active in our church. Uh, Marcy led the worship team. I, I was helping my dad pastor and, and lead small groups, uh, midweek Bible study. I don't say that to do like a humble brag. I'm just showing you like, like we were really invested in our community. We loved our community. So why would we even consider moving to another city, let alone state? let alone a country. Canada was never an option for us. But little did I know, God had already ordained a plan to bring us up to Canada. So again, why would we want that, right? Like, I'm American. We were doing fine in America. We pay for our health insurance. Why would I want it for free? That's so un-American, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> for my friends back home, you know, I'm just joking you. But Simply put, again, we were just very established in our community. There was no need, there was no reason really for us to even consider the idea of having to move to another country. So, of course, shortly after we, we got married, uh, we applied for, for Marcy to have a permanent residency. And, you know, it's a stack of paperwork. We started filling it out and, and, and you know, here comes long bureaucracy of, of the immigration process. It's, it's a lot of waiting and filling out and, and reading and whatnot. And so, you know, we did it. I said, I'm an American who loves this woman. She's Canadian. No big deal. Bada bing, bada boom. This will be done in no time, right? It's not what happened. A year goes by. 
and we get every now and then we get a notice from from the immigration department saying oh you know in reading this information you got to send us this packet now in reading this information now we need this form filled out so we were getting a little concerned you know it felt like a lot of deflection and finally we decided you know after reading some of the blogs we're like maybe we should get a lawyer right that's very american right let's lawyer up and so we did, right? We, we, we reached out to a very renowned uh, immigration lawyer in, in, in our city. And so, you know, we, we took the, the case to him. He, he reviews this and he says, you know what, guys? It, you know, they're backlogged. It's really, you know, this is just kind of how it is. Don't worry. Uh, no response so far at this point. It's very normal. You guys will be fine. Let me look at your stuff and, and uh, you know, I'll get back to you. And if there's any concerns, I'll let you guys know. So... Marcy and I, we left the, the office with mixed emotions. Marcy was like, mm, I don't think this is going to end well. And I said, oh, ye of little faith. And I'm like, of course it's going to end well. This is going to be fine. We now have a lawyer. This is, if anything, this is going to move our stuff faster. She's like, I don't know. She wasn't vibing with the lawyer, right? So we had our next consultation, and, and, and he started to look at it, and he said, you know, well, there, he started citing these technicalities. He said, you know, the, the, the law can deny this request to change your status to permanent um, because there was no mention initially that she's a dual citizenship, that she had dual citizenship. Well, see, the, the thing is, my wife was born in El Salvador, but she moved to Canada when she was like a baby. And so her parents applied. They all became Canadian citizens. And so... Yeah, technically she has both citizenships. She she knows, she's only known Canada, right? El Salvador was never like a, really a place of home for her. So we're like, okay, what does that mean? Well, he says, well, they take it as criminal because, you know, you didn't fully disclose it. And so this is what's holding it up. He says, this will be fine. I've dealt with cases like this in the past. You know, it's just going to be more paperwork that needs to be submitted. And, and um, you know, you, you guys will be fine. Again, we left the office and, you know, mixed emotions. I was a little concerned. I was like, whoa, I, you know, did we do something wrong? And Marcy was like, uh, yeah, I'm not feeling this. This doesn't feel good. And I'm like, oh, ye of little faith. Oh, my gosh, it's going to do one of those last minute miracles. It'll be fine. Don't even worry about it. And so she left already in her heart, kind of starting to feel like this is, doesn't feel good. But I was being faithfully I was being arrogant because again I had this idea that well we do so much for God that why would he want us not to have this he knows we need this right and some more time went by and then finally the decision by the US immigration office came in denied I said denied and and of course we were devastated I said you know what happened you know, what did we do wrong? Was God mad at us? Did I do something wrong? As the head of the house, right? I was like, maybe I did something that that has grieved God, and, and this is the result. So, of course, you know, we, we went back to Lord, and I said, you know, what's going on? And, you know, he had already told us that this could happen. And so this, he said, you know, don't worry. We'll fill, fill more paperwork out, more fees. We can challenge this. And I said, yeah, we, we, we have to challenge this. We, 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 this is not an option. She has to have her permanent residency. And every time we had these visits with him, you know, he's reading more stuff into it, like what else we can do. 
And I'm even starting now to feel hopeless. I feel discouraged. I'm like, man, God, you're taking a while now. And there was one of the moments, I won't forget this, where we sat and he could tell we, we were beaten up emotionally about all this. And he says, you know, what, what's going on, guys? How, how do you guys feel? And I, I swear, I feel like we looked around for maybe 30 odd seconds and just we didn't even know where to start. And then finally, I remember asking him, I said, what, if, what happens if my wife is denied her permanent residency again? And he said, well, you know, she's Canadian and that's a that's a nice country. And, and I'm like, are you kidding me? it's a nice country what what no i'm american why are we being kicked out why am i being kicked out and he says this has nothing to do with you you're fine your daughter's fine you guys are u.s citizens it's your wife and i'm like hold on you're saying that the u.s government is trying to split me and my family up i said what about my my kid he needs she needs her mom and he says, well, you know, um, you know, it, it, some couples have to, you know, go through this challenge of like living separately or, you know, maybe you apply. And I'm like, this, this is not even an option. What are you? We were we were upset. I was upset. I was thinking, God, where are you in all this? I thought you love families. I said, God, aren't you the one that delights in families? You design them and you're breaking us up. You're letting my government do this. Don't you love me? Don't you love us? Where are you? Why are you allowing the U.S. to split my family? And it was such an internal conflict of mine. Because in one hand, I worshiped, I served the God that I knew had saved me of my, had given me salvation. Salvation from what? Well, I knew my sins had doomed me to a punishment. That, that I earned, right, for my sins. But at the same time, this was the God with so much love that devised the plan and sent his son to take on my punishment so that I don't suffer that. So God's, you know, he solved my two biggest problems, death and sin. And, and I was thinking, you know, he solved that. Why can't he solve my immigration issue? It was hard. You know, this led me to a discouragement in God's ability to answer prayers, you know, um, as, as, as I was preparing for this, it, it was nice when, when I heard Pastor JB preach on this, on discouragement. It, it's a trap, right? And, and if you want to look for this, look it up in our podcast list. It, the title is, He's There For You, Finding Jesus in Exodus. And, and what Pastor JB shared about discouragement is that when we're discouraged, we must trust that God is not finished with our story. The enemy wants us to die in the place of our discouragement. But remember, discouragement is a trap. And that's what happened. I had fallen for this trap. What I should have done was in that moment, I should have stood before God, bring him what I was bringing him. But in that moment, just pause and just let God speak to me what he was intending for me. See, in all of this, I wasn't letting God talk to me. I was doing all the talking. I said, God, I want this. I want that. I want this. I want that. But I didn't give room to God to say, no, because X, Y, and Z. Now for Canadians, it's X, Y, and Z, right? And so I had fallen for this discouragement trap. If you're, if you, you know, if you, if you're here today and you're feeling discouraged as well in your relationship with God, let me remind you that God is planning something. So if He's saying no to you with what you're asking for, don't fall for the trap that I fell for pause 
bring it to God, but then let him speak to you. Let him share with you what plans he is putting up because that's what I was not doing. All I could focus my, my energy on was that we were denied and now we have a lawyer that's supposed to represent us who's kind of inferring the idea, this is not gonna happen. So we had an opportunity to meet now with an immigration official to bring our case before them and challenge the decision by the US. And so this would require a very specific strategic planning with her lawyer. And um, there was one of these sessions where it was in the middle of the work week. And so me and Marcy were gonna drive there separately. And so I decided to go there a little early and, and kind of pray in my car. Um, and that moment was really hard because I sat in front of the lawyer's office and I kind of just, again, I stopped. I wasn't sure, like, come on, God, please pull the last minute buzzer shot miracle. Let this be the meeting where, you know, we get our way. We get that key word, that key way to, to fix this problem. And I sat in my car and I remember just saying, please, 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 please. Just pull through here. And my Bible was in the back seat. And I decided in that moment, I'm going to grab my Bible. I'm going to open it up. And I'm just going to, you know, flip a page. And God's going to speak to me right then and there. But in my heart, I had, for whatever reason, I decided that I knew exactly what I wanted to read. This is so weird. I wanted to read the story when God calls Abram out of Ur, which is like Persia, right? And he was going to call him into Canaan, right? And he would bless him there, and he would tell him that he, he would take care of him on this journey, and that this would begin the first of many promises about having a nation. Mind you, this man didn't even have a kid. And yet God was giving them this huge promise that would cause them to leave his home to this place. And for whatever reason, I was like, yeah, that's, that's what I want to read. So, and I want you to read it with me. This is, this is found in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. And it says, now the Lord said to Abram, go to your country. And, oh, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonor you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I shut my Bible and I was so mad for reading that. Oh my God, you just looked me in the eye and just said no. But looking back at that moment, God was being super sweet. He wasn't saying no in a malicious way. He was saying no to my plans to living in the U.S. forever. But he was saying, yes, where you go, where I call you to go, I will be there. I will bless you. You will not be alone. I was not letting God speak to me. Like I would just hear the first part and cut him off. But God was here being super sweet. He was preparing me from this very moment. This, was, this has to be the first account where I felt I could, I could see that God was preparing my heart to, to, to go with his plan, not my plan. And here he says he blessed Abraham for having faith and he would go to this new place that God called him there. So in other words, he's telling me, have faith. I'm going to be there with you. 
See, God was in the middle of writing this plot twist in my story. He was writing something greater than I can imagine. All I was asking God to do was write many chapters of this. Raul got up, he worked, he rarely left his neighborhood. Rinse and repeat, the end. Boring, that's not God. See, if I lived that life, who would look at me and go like, oh yeah, this man, he goes to church and he serves a mighty God. With that boring life, you would never even know God's in it. God was saying, no, 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 I have this amazing story I'm going to write in you. I have this amazing story that I want to share with you first. And that when other people see your life, you know what they're going to see? They're going to see me. They're going to see my love. They're going to see my mighty hand. I am the God of the promises. That's what he was going to share. But I didn't want that story. I was afraid, I guess. So, of course, after having this amazing intervention by God in front of the lawyer's office, I did not share it with Marcy, right? Because I wanted to make sure it happened my way, that we planned with the Lord and we were going to be very strategic. Weeks later go by and, and we finally had our, our appointment with the immigration officer. And so we go to the immigration office and, and we're, we're going to meet with our lawyer there. And, and, you know, we see him in the lobby. We kind of greet each other. And, of course, we're nervous. And the lawyer goes, you know, you guys look good. Hey, relax. This is going to be great. All we have to do is add the human touch to your application. Show the government you guys are a legitimate couple. You love each other. You serve your community. You belong here. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. So we sat in the lobby. We were waiting. You know, many, many other cases in there. And, and finally, the immigration officer that's appointed to our case comes into the lobby and says, all right, case number this, this, and this. Follow me. And I look at my lawyer. He looks stunned. I mean, like he saw a ghost. White guy, but he looked more white. Right? And I'm looking at him like, whoa, what's wrong? What's happening? He's like, well, you guys, I'm going to have to sit this one out. I'm like, wait, what? He says, yeah, that lady, she doesn't like me. And uh, I've had not the best results with my clients that get interviewed by her when she knows that I'm their representative. She, he says, to avoid any bias, you guys will be fine. We practice. You guys will be okay. Go in. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. Of the hundreds of lawyers to immigration officer combinations, I had the one that hated each other. I mean, come on, talk about having your, the cards stacked against you. That's what was happening. I mean, I really should have taken it at that moment and just seen that God was really saying, no, no, your plan is not good for you. But I wasn't ready for that. So, of course, we went in and, and we did our best. We showed them pictures of our wedding. We showed them pictures of our, of our life, of our daughter, Elise. I mean, she was young. She was like maybe two years old, three. And, and you know, we're showing it. We're real. This is real. We have so much involvement at church and in our works. And, like, you can't split us up. It wouldn't make no sense. The U.S. needs this. So... The, the, the lady was very nice. She said, thank you. Appreciate your time. I have everything I need. I'm going to be passing this on to a judge and, you know, we'll make a decision and you'll know. It, it, you'll get the notice in the mail. It either will have a permanent residency card or something else. All right. So we went on and we lived our life as we normally do. And in, I, in that moment, I remember... I, I really wish I would have brought this picture to share with you, but there's a selfie I took with Marcy. And in and, and that picture, you can see we were happy. In that moment, we felt we had God's support there, that it went our way, the way we thought it should go. 
And months would go by, and, and then finally, one day after work, I get home and I see there's a, a letter from the U.S. Immigration Office. And I quickly grab it and I run through it, running my fingers, pressing along, bending, and I'm like, oh, I don't feel a card. I don't feel a card. And, and the papers felt thick. So I figured, do I open it or do I, you know, wait for Marcy? And I'm like, no, I need to open it. I need to prepare myself for her. So I open it, and in the first words, I'm, I'm trying to just see, you know, it said denied. I was numb. 20 minutes. I didn't move. It's paralyzing. Where are you, God? And I sat in the couch. And then Marcy walks in the door and she sees me. I'm not even moving. I'm not even crying. I'm just, just paralyzed. And she looks at me and she just breaks down. I hug her and she reads the whole thing to its entirety and she just sobs even more. It, the, 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 thing, the outcome just grew worse. It's what we feared that what our Lord was inferring was now coming to play. Not only would she just not get permanent residency, now the government's saying she can't live in the U.S. God, where are you? Why are you mad? We went to go pick up our daughter from my mom's house and break the news to them. And we all wept. We all cried. It was hard. And I remember my dad, he pulled me aside and he said, you know, son, we're, we're going to help you out no matter what. But just keep this in mind. God blessed Abram in Canaan, and he blessed Joseph in Egypt, and God's going to bless you in Canada. And I appreciated that. I really did. But in that moment, it's just so hard to see God take care of these people, these mighty men in the Bible. But in this moment, I felt so defeated because the outcome wasn't what I thought it would be. But a few days go by, and I start to think about it. And I'm like, Abraham, that's just like the story I read at the lawyer's office a few months back. And I really started thinking about Abraham. I'm like, wow, how did God bless Abraham? Well, he called him out of his land, but he didn't leave him alone. He was there with him the entire time. As a matter of fact, God gave him a new identity. He would change his name from Abraham to Abraham. He would become the father of the nation of Israel. He would give him a nation before having kids. But it all started from a promise where he said, first you have to go and leave your land, your home, to a land that I'm calling you to. This is, that was a story about faith. And Joseph, similarly, Joseph was promised that he would one day rule over his brothers. His brothers hated that promise, right? And he found himself that, that this path to that realization of this promise that God had made would lead him through him being sold by his brothers into slavery, uh, serving in a palace of a foreign nation, serving jail time for a crime he never committed, only to be strategically placed in a time where he would become a high-ranking officer for this land, and then strategically placed to save this region, this nation, from famine which would also include to save his family, who would become the nation of Israel. Man. See, God was not saying no to my plans only. He was saying yes to a better plan. 
God had different plans for me and Marcy. And the road led north to Canada. God was not saying he was distancing himself from us. Rather, he wanted to get even closer. He wanted to share a deeper experience. See, you can preach it all you want, but it's until you leave, live it. Man, then the verses in the Bible become so good. These stories you can relate. You're like, yeah, God did that for me. I remember I have a similar experience. That's when God, oh, all glory to God. Always all glory to God, right? See, I would be able to witness to him and demonstrate how trustworthy he is to his promises. This was the start of my next chapter and an amazing story he was authoring in my life. Now, I'm going to be so cliche. I mean, I think non-church people know this verse too. Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. See, what I needed to do, get it out of my discouragement trap. Get out of my, 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 my immature way of thinking and, and, and saying, because God didn't answer the way I wanted, he must not be God. No, no, no. I needed to focus on the promises and hopes he had left in the Bible, examples with other people in the Bible, and examples around me. God is the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I needed to see that. So on June 16, 2015, 4 a.m., I locked the door to the home I had known for 15 years. The home that saw me grow up, bring my wife, and my daughter. You can imagine this was hard. But my dad met me in the driveway. He says, you know, let me bless you some before you go on your journey. And he, he blessed me like Old Testament fashion. He recited the blessings like the, the patriarchs, the, you know, Abraham to Isaac, Isaac, Jacob. In that moment, I felt again this connection back to that moment in front of the lawyer's office where I read Genesis 12. And it hit me. Man, if God ordained this trip, it's his name on this. He's the project manager. He has to see this through successfully. Otherwise, he looks bad. This is not about me. This is about God. I felt a little bit more comfortable, even though it was an 18-hour drive from Reno, Nevada, all the way to Steveston Village. 18 hours and I was determined to do it in one day so I'm so thankful for my cousin to join me along when I did it in that U-Haul what an amazing journey so I arrived to Canada and I was so happy I didn't see snow I mean it's June right but see as an American I thought Canada was like this frozen tundra right like I would have to learn how to ice fish and that kind of stuff see this is how Americans view it all right maybe not all but for sure me right and so you, you, can, you can see that to my surprise, man, God was taking care of me. When I saw Steveston Village, man, this place was beautiful. The sunsets, oh, just Google it, Steveston Village. I was blessed. But here's another plot twist. Shortly after arriving, we find out Marcy is pregnant with her second child, Levi. Woo, but I had no job. God, are you serious? Quit playing. We just got here. Uh, what? I have no job. You have to provide. I got to be a provider, God. Like, we can't look bad. And, of course, now I have to apply for my residency and my work permit. I didn't waste time. We went right at it. 
and then my, my paperwork gets kicked back. You're missing a form. Oh, okay. And just like the U.S., if you get kicked out, you got to start all over in your wait time. Oh, I'm like, come on. We need to work. I had, look, in all the legal fees that I spent in the U.S. for the immigration, I had very little left on my savings. Our savings, everything we pulled out would lead us to about six months where we can live on our own. And then after that, God, you got to pull through. And so I send the form. This time they send it back. You're missing a signature. Give me a break. We're six months into this. I need to get going. I can't waste time. Marcy's getting more pregnant. Well, not with more babies, just like <laughs> Levi's growing, right? And so I'm like worried because eventually my and my wife, she was fortunate enough to get a job within two months, but that wouldn't last long. She's going to give birth. She's going to take time off. And it's hitting me. I'm like, God, what are you doing? Month seven. Levi decides to be born right away. Hold on, buddy. You got two months left to cook in that oven. What are you doing? He comes out. And I'm like, God, what are you doing? And he was born in Richmond Hospital. And we had to leave him there for 21 days. Because he was premature, they just wanted to make sure his lungs were fully developed. 21 days of going back and forth, not having our, sons in, our son in our arms. God, where are you? What, what was this plan? Neonative intensive, neo intensive care unit. That's where we were at for 21 days. And then I have to remember this and I have to remind everybody this. When it seems that God is not in control, I promise you he's in control. Watch this. Had we stayed in the U.S. and Levi be born prematurely in the U.S., we would have been in turmoil. Why do I say this? Because Elise was born healthy. No problem. She spent one night only because our insurance would give us a free night, right? It's like having rewards. Okay, so we took it. But they gave me a bill for $21,000. This is after my insurance took care of the pregnancy. $21,000. It's like buying a car. It took me three years, actually, to pay off for, for my daughter. So can you imagine 21 days in the NICU for my son? We would have been in trouble. See, God knew our need before we would even know we had this need. This purpose for Canada was more than just about me. It was about my family. The week Levi was discharged from the hospital, there's a brown envelope from the Canadian government. And you know it's, it's government-related when it's brown, right? And so I opened it, and I'm worried. I'm thinking, they can't kick this form back, man. I, I can't afford it. Congratulations, Roll. Here's your work permit. Well, it was more official than that, right? <laughs> but I had it. I had this paper, and I'm like, oh, thank you, God. Just as Marcy's going into maternity leave, now I get to go to work. Wow, what timing. See, I knew this was the God I served, but his plans were way better. And in that moment, it hit me. Wow. This journey to Canada was more than just for me. It was for Marcy. See, Marcy had to go back to work six weeks after she gave birth to Elise. Six weeks. That's not fair. No mother should go through that. But now Marcy would have her answers prayed, and she got to be a mom for at least a year with no worry of work. That's a blessing. That's a plan that I wasn't preparing for, but God was. And the other thing that I couldn't think about at that moment was that 
my in-laws, they could not travel to the U.S. And so they miss seeing their firstborn, Marcy, give birth to their first grandkid. They could not hold that grandkid for three years. I didn't realize that my journey to Canada was their answered prayers. When my father-in-law hugged my daughter, I didn't realize that he would soon be hugging his grandson. This was answered prayers. And in that moment, I was thinking, how foolish of me to think that he is only my God or I am the only person he cares for. He is the God of the universe. He listens to everyone's prayers, not just mine. And this journey was not about me. It was about God being God to everyone. See, he would reveal how far he stretches out his love and his care for those around me. He showed me that he anticipates the needs before we even know we have a need. He leads you to the places where your answers are going to be for questions you don't even know you have. So if you're listening to my story today and you also find yourself in a situation where it feels like God is going against you or is ignoring your prayers or has just plainly said no to you, to whatever it is that you may be asking, save yourself the stress and the emotions that God doesn't care for you because he does. Write down, remember, and recite these three lessons, these three main lessons that I took away from this journey to Canada. The first one is this. Embrace when God says no to your prayers. He is only giving room to an unexpected opportunity. He has the ultimate authority over our lives. Proverbs 16.9 says this, A person may plan his own journey, but the Lord directs his steps. See, he didn't kick my family out of the U.S. My government would have done so because that's how the laws are written. I can't take it personal. But he is so loving, he was not going to let that be the last authority over me in my well-being. See, rather than let me and my family perish in the uncertainty of what could have been or what could have played out, he paved a road to Canada where he would cause us to expand, overcome, and thrive. See, praise God because he's sovereign. Second lesson I took away from this was remember when God says no to your prayers, he is revealing to you that his plans are not just about you. Oh, that, that one hurts. That one hurts. See, he's not just God to me, but to the whole world. When we were all doomed to punishment that is everlasting, he drew up a plan to save all humanity by offering his one son. Now, we all know this verse. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the whole world, he gave his only son. Similarly, when God says no to your plans, it is just because he, wants, he has a better plan that will maximize the amount of people he will bless with it. This is not just about you or me. It's about God. In my case, this move to Canada was not only about me, but it was about blessing my kids, my wife, my in-laws. They had prayers that would need to be answered by this plan that he was devising. And I didn't realize this at the moment, but he was beginning to make us into instruments of blessings to others. See, it's not just about us receiving. It's about us giving to others. See, everyone we cross paths with here in Canada, we hope that we bless. And if we do, then this move was for that reason. Whether it be our friendship or our fellowship, we want to be a blessing not just blessed by God. And that's one of the biggest plans for, for this journey to Canada. And the third takeaway that I got from this journey 
is that understand when God says no to your prayers, he is teaching you about humility. What do I mean by this? Humility is not putting yourself down, but putting God first. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. This means that it's understanding you have a worth in God, but you're not God. Humility is about living for Jesus and not for yourself. So remember, write these down. Remember these lessons and when doubt creeps into your mind that God isn't loving you, caring for you, then just recite these three lessons to yourself. And don't fall in that trap of discouragement and allow your faith to weaken. I would like to invite the worship band in this moment to lead us into a moment of worship. And like Pastor JB said earlier, we're going to be having our communion shortly after. So make sure you grab your bread and your juice as we will partake in the communion. This is my personal story. This was my pivotal moment on understanding why God says no to us. Sing your praises I will ever 
just Raul's story, but it's a part of our story too, because Raul, Marcy, their kids, Elise and Levi, they're such a precious part of our church family, an irreplaceable part. And to think that, you know, that story was part of the bigger story that God is writing in our church family. And that without that story, we wouldn't have Raul and Marcy and Elise and Levi in our family. And, you know, I, I, I couldn't imagine them without, uh, without them in our family. And uh, it's just one of those things where God was truly in the midst of what Raul was going through, in the midst of his own personal struggle, God had a greater story who was writing with his life. That will be a blessing to other people. Believe it, say, believe it, say that. Amen. I want to thank Raul so much for sharing. Uh, thank Marcy as well for letting us get in on such a such a personal uh, story in their lives. Uh, but we're so blessed as a result. Maybe you're here and you're going through a struggle yourself that maybe no one knows about. And maybe you're waiting for news to come in the mail. Maybe you're waiting for that person to say yes or no. You're waiting for that door to open or close. And there's stress in your life. There's frustration. There's anxiety. There's, there's worry. And I, I'm here to remind you, just like Raul powerfully preached to us, is that when, when, when God has, says he has the best plans for you, he means it. 
and that when in those cases when he does say no it's not because he's not there it's not because he doesn't care it's because he has a greater story he's writing with your life and in fact sometimes and i found this in my life too sometimes when god says no it is actually the biggest blessing to us because it just means he's he's got something greater sometimes god loves us too much to let us have our own way that's so, that, that I found that in my life over and over. And just like Raul said, when, when God says no, embrace it as an unexpected opportunity. When God says no, remember, it's not just about you. God has a bigger plan and a bigger story he's writing with your life to be a blessing to other people. And that when God sends no, he's working on our character, making us more like Jesus, humble, surrendered to God, wiser, realizing it's not about me, but it's about a greater story that God is writing with our lives. And so if that's you in this place, and you know that these are, these are lessons that you need to learn today, why don't, you just, why don't you lift up your hand to God right now in response to God, as just an expression to say, God, I want to trust you. God, I surrender that issue that is too big for me, but it's not big, not too big for you. I'm going to give that to you right now. Why don't you just lift your hands, let the height of your hands reflect how much you want to acknowledge God right now. Let the height of your hands reflect you surrendering that problem, that, that situation, that challenge to him right now. Let the height of your hands reflect you giving God thanks with an attitude of gratitude. You can even give God thanks in faith to say, God, thank you that though this problem is here, it's not always going to be here. Thank you that though this challenge is in front of me, we're going to overcome this challenge. Thank you, God, that nothing is too big for you. And so right now, from your heart and your own words, we start talking to God from your heart right now. Just start talking to God. Just respond to God's word today. Just start talking to him from your heart. Don't wait for me to stop talking. Don't wait for someone else to start talking. You just start talking to God because he's here. He loves you. He's listening. He's with you right now more than you can possibly know. He loves you. He loves you so much. He's with you. He's writing a greater story with your life. And so respond to him today. Respond to him with faith. Respond to him with thanks. Respond to him with surrender. Respond to him asking for his perspective and his wisdom today. Oh, come on, church. Just start talking to God today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. The God who's writing a greater story, we thank you. The God who's teaching us humility, we thank you. The God who's got plans that are not just about us, but are about other people that we can bless, thank you. God, we thank you today. God, we thank you today. That's it, church. Just lift up those issues to God. Lift up that situation to God. Lift up that frustration to God. Lift up all those things to God. Give God your thanks. Give God your worship. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Finally, for those of you here, and maybe you're here for the first time, or maybe you've been here before, but you've never opened up your heart to Jesus. You've never said yes to Jesus. You've never said yes to the forgiveness that he made possible when he died on the cross for your sins. If that's you, then this next moment is for you, is that we believe that God loves us so much that when we were separated from God for, because of our sins, when we couldn't reach God, God reached for us when he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven. And if you are here and you realize you need God's forgiveness, I want to give you an opportunity to receive it. It's as simple as praying a prayer. It's not so much the words you speak as much as the attitude of your heart, recognize that you need a Savior that who, and, 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 and that you know Jesus is the one who died on the cross for you. And so if you need that today, if you really need to ask God for forgiveness and receive that forgiveness today, why don't you lift up your hand to God right now? And you, know, you can even on your screen, you can open your eyes and just touch that button that says, I commit my life to Jesus. That's a simple way of saying, I need a forgiveness. God, would you give me your forgiveness? Would you forgive me? Maybe it's just something you said this morning. Maybe it's something you did last night. Maybe it's a whole history of stuff, but God loves you with an unconditional love. And if you would open up your heart to him today, God says he is happy to forgive us of all of our sins through what he did through Jesus Christ on the cross. And so with that in mind, if you need God's forgiveness, why don't you pray this prayer with me right now? You can say, dear Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross 
to pay for my sins, that you rose again to give me life. Right now, I open up my heart. Please come in, forgive me of my sins, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Bible says that if you prayed that prayer and you meant that from your heart, then you are forgiven of your sins. It's not a question. It's, you know, you are forgiven, period. You are accepted by God, period. You are included in his family, period. You are a child of God, you're a citizen of heaven, and the best is yet to come. And so big congratulations to all of you who prayed that prayer today. We'd love it if you just press that button, I commit my life to Jesus, or you can text us the word, the word believe to 604-285-5770. We got you know, a gift and some messages to give you to encourage you in this new step that you took with God today. A big congratulations to each and every one of you. And that leads us to our next portion of our service right now as we do communion. Communion is a time when we remember what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. And if you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, even just moments ago, if you prayed that prayer to ask Jesus to come into your life, then you can take communion with us. And we want to encourage you to do so. This is just a, a way for us to remember what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And so I want to encourage you to grab that piece of bread that you have with you right now. Hopefully you have that. It's not too late to grab it right now. And this represents the body that Jesus sacrificed on the cross. We're also going to take a cup and we're going to dip it, uh, dip the, the, the bread into the cup right now. And uh, I'm just going to take a small piece, but you can take as big or small piece as you want. And, uh, and we're just going to take this in remembrance of Jesus. Because on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took a cup. And he said, This cup represents my blood, which is poured out for the forgiveness of people's sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. Let's take this bread and let's take this cup in thankful remembrance of all that Jesus Christ has done. Let's do that together right now. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much that for every single person who's watching the service right now, that you know the plans you have for them, plans to prosper with them and not to harm them, plans to give them hope and a future. You knew, knew your plans for them long before they even thought about their future, long before they were even born. So much so that 2,000 years ago, you were already making a way for that plan to be possible when you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins so that we could live life today, not alone, but in relationship with you. Not without hope, but with a, the greatest hope, knowing that Jesus Christ died on the cross and he rose again from the grave, and therefore nothing is impossible with him. Not, not just alone, not without hope, not without without purpose, but with the greatest calling, knowing that you've made us and put us on this earth, not just to exist, but to live life for your glory, to be alive and to worship Jesus, to be expectant and to grow more like Jesus, to be involved and to serve Jesus with what we got, our talents, our time, our opportunities, to be out loud and to share others, share Jesus with other people, to lead others to Jesus, to be united and to love this awesome family you started called your church. And so it's with that a great calling in mind that I pray all of your blessing on every single person watching this service today. Let your power, your presence, your protection, wisdom, joy, faith, healing, comfort, strength, purpose, vision, and your Holy Spirit fill each and every one of them until we next meet again. We thank you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now? Let's thank God for an amazing Sunday together. 
Our God is a God of pivotal moments, and we look forward to hearing more of different pivotal moments from the lives of people who will be uh, you know, speaking and sharing with us over the next several weeks. We look forward to uh, being here next week to be part of pivotal moments once again, and we encourage you to invite a friend to be part of this next week. As you close off our service, a couple of things we're going to do. First off, if you call Throughout Church your home church, or you just believe in the work that God is doing here, I want to ask you right now to give your faithful tithes, your generous offerings, knowing that when we seek God's kingdom first, he adds what? He adds everything we need. And so thank you so much in advance for giving. You go to mythrive.info to give. Let's take good care of our church. Let's sow into the kingdom of God, knowing that not only does he take care of everything we need, but he builds his church and his kingdom through us as well. And so let's do that together. Thanks so much in advance for giving. Thanks for being a generous church. And right now I'm going to hand the time back, line, back to our online host to, to close things off. Have an amazing rest of the weekend. Have an amazing start to the week. God loves you. We love you. Praise God. The best is yet to come. We'll see you guys soon. Love you guys. Take care, everybody. Thank you, Pastor JB, and thank you, Raul, for the powerful story. Before I let you guys go, I have a few announcements. If it's your first time here, you are VIP, so please let us know by texting you at 604-285-5770, and we will mail you your very own Thrive Stainless Steel water bottle. And if you made the choice to receive Jesus Christ into your life today, congratulations, we have a gift package prepared especially for you, as well as a series of videos that will answer some questions that you may have about Christianity. Just simply text BELIEVE at 604-285-5770. Zoom prayer meetings are happening every Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. Join us for a time of prayer and worship. For more information, visit our Facebook or Instagram. We just finished our message series, Exodus, Hope for Hard Times, so we would love to hear how God used this message series to impact your life. So please fill out the feedback form on mythrive.info. So that's it for this week. I hope you all have a great day. Don't forget to give your tithes and offerings, and we'll see you here again next week at Thrive Church Online. Woo!